0: Luke chapter number 22 this morning and verse number 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. This phraseology in here where it says that Satan hath desired to have you is almost an idiom. Literally, it means that Satan prayed. Satan prays. Satan requested. Satan asked. Satan repeated his request that he would be able to get a hold of of Simon Peter but Jesus saves the day in verse number 32 but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not and when thou art converted everybody said converted strengthen thy brethren Peter said, and he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And Jesus responded by saying, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day, before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. What a haunting reality Jesus predicted. His failure. I want to talk to us for a few moments. I don't know how far we're going to get into this today, um, but I want to talk to us about the art of conversion. The art of conversion. Let's put our Bibles down and let's pray. Let's pray that God would minister to all of our lives. Let's lift our voice and pray together. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to be in your presence, to be amongst your people, worshiping God, exalting your name. We pray that the word of God would be a blueprint, a mile marker, a direction giver, conviction, hope, strength, joy to every life We'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This, um, I'm going to try to do my best to tackle this this morning, Um, and the reason why I said I'm not sure if we're going to get through all of this today, and that does not mean that I'm going to keep you here real long today, but it does mean that there's, it's voluminous. There's a lot, there's a lot here. When we talk about conversion, we are talking about the changing of one substance or one condition into another. We're familiar with the word conversion, um, just societally and culturally. Somebody said, "Well, I'm converting. You know, my back my back screened-in patio. We're converting it into a bedroom, or we're converting it into a family room." We understand that. That usually means that there is a construction process that takes place that will transform one. Condition of one thing and transform it into something else. When we talk about the art of conversion, um, I really feel like God gave this to me. We are talking about how God articulates, and the word art is a short version, much like the word city is a short version of the word community. So the word art is a short, shortened version of the word articulate. How God articulates or expresses or manifests, it may even include absolutely God's creative prowess, how he is able to bring about the change, the transformation, the uh, metamorphosis, if you please, of a given situation or a human being's life. And so um, I read a book many, many years ago by a very well-known apostolic author that talked about some of the different attributes of God. And he talked about the obvious attributes. Some of them are communicable. Some of them are incommunicable, like his, his grace, his love, his mercy, his paternal attributes, so on and so forth. And then he began to talk about the fact that Jesus was a carpenter And how that Jesus, that was no mistake, that Jesus was the son of a carpenter and was introduced to being a carpenter and that he was able to take raw materials and produce something, have a finished product. He also went in to describe how that God is an artist. How that God is able to properly balance shape and form and color, which absolutely would make God an artist. And he said some other things that were very practical um, definitions of God and his ability to do things. When we look at the book of Genesis chapters 1 and 2, you are seeing what is very familiar to us as the creation of the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the first day, God separated light from dark. And then when he separated light from dark, he began to separate uh, the physical. And then God, there was then there was grass, and there were lower life forms. And then ultimately, at the sixth day of creation, he uh, created uh, mankind. And on the seventh day... It said that God rested. It's in your Bibles. But I want us to step back and take a broader, more panoramic look at this that will set the stage for some of the things that I need to talk about um, in this message today. You have to understand that in the very first six days of creation, that God created something from nothing. God created something from nothing. The Bible tells us in the book of John, chapter number one, that he created by the Logos, by the word of God. The Bible confirms this. In a multitude, a multiplicity of other places. One of them most notable is in the book of Colossians that he created all things by the word of his power. God is able to make something out of nothing. That is what he did for six days. He did not, there was no overlap. There was no duplication. There was no replication. It was all the layering, if I could put it this way, theologically speaking, what God was doing was building an environment. And God started with the invisible before he ended with the natural because in God's economy, if I could put it that way, if God, in God's kingdom, the spiritual is what is holding the physical together, the supernatural. And so the very first thing that God did on the first day is this is not natural illumination. It is talking about spiritual illumination and spiritual darkness. Natural illumination did not exist before the third day in which God put a great light which is talking about the sun that would rule over the day, and then he put a lesser light that would rule over the night. That was the moon. And the moon operates on reflective light. But that was physical light. So God is speaking things into existence. There's no overlap. As I've already mentioned, there's no replication. There's no duplication. Everything is formed and fabricated absolutely in its original without requiring any other substance from any other previous day. And God is building a living, breathing environment which is one of the reasons why uh, people that are angelologists and demonologists, they, they look at this stuff. They, st- they study this stuff out theologically. They incorporate word studies to it and original languages, and they try to, they try to ascertain. They try to connect dots to get a more complete picture of what, what the invisible world is actually like. But there are many angelologists that believe that when the when the angels saw god build the earth that it was a living breathing planet that this is where lucifer revolted there are other angel angelologists that believe and and theologians that believe that when god made man in his image and gave him dominion over this living breathing planet. And I want to tell you something there is no planet out of the billions and perhaps trillions of planets that is like planet Earth. You look like you need more convincing on that. There's this I, and I'm fascinated with all this stuff this James Webb telescope whenever they whenever I hear that NASA has released photographs from the James Webb Telescope. What the James Webb Telescope is, it is the successor to the Hubble Telescope. The Hubble Telescope brought back images. It was a telescope that was sent out into outer space, just basically just turned loose to keep going and going and going and send forth pictures back to Earth of what it was seeing. But they were limited because... Of the technology of the Hubble telescope. Well, this James Webb that cost billions and billions of dollars, and I understand it was actually an international effort. It is taking back, it is sending back pictures by using infrared technology, which is far superior to the technology that was used. Are, Are you guys into all this stuff? Okay. If you want a break, we'll go get a cup of coffee and come back, and I'll do part two. I'm into all this stuff. I want to know what's out there. Don't tell me there's a lot of little green men out there like E.T. waiting to come in here and take over the world. God ain't going to let that happen. Jesus is going to come back. There is no planet in the entirety of the universe like this one. This is a testing ground. And if you pass the test, you will be ruler over universes. You've been faithful in a few things here. I'm going to have you be faithful over a few planets. If you've been greatly faithful, you're going to be faithful over a lot. And we are going to rule and reign the new universe with the new Jerusalem that's going to be the capital of the universe forever and ever and ever. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Who wouldn't want to be a part of that in their right mind? There's no tears, there's no sorrow, there's no pain, there's no IRS, there's no White House, there's no cell phones, there's no pornography, there's no devil, there's no heartbreak. Somebody shout and give God the praise. Just on the merits of that alone, you ought to want to go to heaven. Well, pastor, I don't believe all that. Well, why... Why would you even believe in Jesus if you don't believe in all that? Because it's all attached. It's all attached. In fact, eye is not seen, ear is not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of them that love God, the things that he has prepared for them that love him. It is going to be so mind-boggling. Some of you got up today and there was a voice speaking in your head saying, I don't really feel like going to church. I'd rather just lay around. I'd rather just lick my wounds. I'd just rather just just pet my, my whatever. I'd just rather do this. I'd rather do something else. But you are here today. This is a big deal to God. This is a big deal to God. This is a big deal to God. You have been faithful in a few things. Go ahead and clap your hands and give him praise. Hallelujah. And so there are some theologians that believe that when Lucifer saw a living, breathing ecosystem called earth, that he said, I'm not going to let some created form have that. I want that. And of course, that's theological speculation. You can can reject that. It's neither here nor there. But we do know that at some point, the devil rose up, iniquity was found in him, and he wanted to supersede his authority over God's authority. We know that because it's in the Bible. But the very first six days, God created something from nothing. And the Bible says several times in that transition from the sixth day to the seventh day that God rested from all his work. God was not exhausted. God had not even physically broke a sweat. God has no, God doesn't have any less power after the creation of the world than he did before. There is no, there is no way to tax his power. But it is the seventh day that is what is amazing. I want you to stay tuned because this is basically part of the premise of where we're going. This is a big deal. This, it's, it's listen, in the 21st century where you are seeing spiritual wickedness in high places materialize themselves in gov- through government agency and through the absolute absolute degradation of a culture. It is a huge deal to be in the church of the living God. And I want to tell you, there is no devil that's going to take my place. There is no drug addict out there floating around that is going to take Rick Mayo's place. I already know what God's done for me. I know I'm going to have some bad days, but bless your heart, my future is worth it all. Your future is worth it all. That pew that you're sitting in there, you need to let the devil know, ain't nobody taking my place. There might be another alcoholic out there, there might be another wacko out there, but I am staying in the church of the living God. I am in this until the sound of the trumpet. Clap your hands and give him praise. I'm wearing a new suit today. Uh, It was given to me. And I'm starting to understand why. It doesn't fit. And I have to stop every once in a while. If you see me do this, just pardon me. Because if I don't, I'm afraid we're going to have an accident up here. And that will end this church service. And I don't want that to happen. Hallelujah. So I'm going to button my jacket. Not get too wild, take short steps until I can get this suit adjusted. But it was given to me. So I just, if you see me do this all the time, you'll know why. The seventh day is critical. Somebody said, well, okay, we're done. No, no. The six days was something from nothing. The seventh day is something from something else that did not exist during the six days. It's not like one day bled over into another. No, God was just layering and building with uniquely designed ecosystem dynamics and layering, and building, and putting into place. On the seventh day, it said that God planted a garden. He did not create. That was limited to the first six days. The seventh day, when it dawned on the seventh day, it was like God said, all right, interact. It was like on the seventh day, God said, bees make honey. It was like on the seventh day, God said, cows produce milk. Now, God had already designed creation so that something could come from something, but it was limited to the seventh day. It did not happen before that. Cornerstone. I'm just. I'm going to hit this. It's not in my message. Cornerstone is God making something out of nothing. In fact, if it's a genuine, I'm not talking about something that's been passed down or something that's been given to somebody or 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 something where there was where some. Uh uh uh. If it was a genuinely a home missions church, it was something out of nothing. you you're still not getting this or if you're getting it you're not you're not understanding this you have to you have to realize that when god calls a man or calls a family to go somewhere, God already has it built into his program that if they stay in alignment and they walk in spiritual illumination and they walk by, by in the truth and, 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 they, and everything stays right, that God will do the work and bring about something out of nothing. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. Big deal. But this seventh day is where all of creation now interacts. If you watch the devotional that I did yesterday about maintaining the right balance you will understand that it is impossible for you to spiritually mature and get beyond the plateau that you're on right now. There are people that live for years on a plateau and they think this is, this is where God wants me. That, that is not true. God sees you to go from faith or from where you are to a higher plateau. From the victory you just came through To another victory, and what happens in Western thinking? We're we're so analytical, and and we're so sophisticated in our in our in our diagnosis and our ability to try to figure things out. Where we think we're so sophisticated, you can't figure God out. What you just have to say is, God, whatever whatever door you open, I'm going to walk through. Whatever you want me to do, that's what I want you to do. I'm preaching to somebody here right now. If you'll start interacting with other people, you say, well, I don't want to do that, because then I have to forgive, and then I have to work through myself. But that's where the growth is, and that's where the gifts is, and that's where the power is, and that's where the anointing is. Clap your hands and give God the praise. It's the seventh day. And so... There are laws and principles of conversion that we want to talk about. For example, in the Bible, I don't have the scripture right off the top of my brain, but hopefully you'll be familiar with this. Jesus went out into a desert place to feed 5,000. It's in a desert place. The Bible says that it's in a desert place. And then Jesus said, make everybody sit down on the green grass. It's in your Bible. It's in my Bible. The Holy Ghost is giving me this right now. That's why I'm bringing it up, but it should have been in my notes so that you could see it. It's in your Bible. When you get home, get your concordance out and look up the word grass, and you will see that. Jesus made them sit down on the grass. I have never seen grass in the desert but when Jesus is there and Jesus is getting ready to feed people and Jesus is getting ready to minister to people he can convert sand into something that's comfortable oh come on somebody help me out <laughs> see here's the deal a lot of people say you know what pastor I'm not sure if I want to do that because I don't understand everything God wants me to do we in America today are, are, are we are we are so spoiled by all of the billions of bits and bytes of data that is on the internet, that we want God to give me an absolute detailed explanation of everything that's gonna happen, so I'll know what to expect, so I can have my insurance policy paid up, so I can make sure I got money in the bank, I can make sure my credit card's ready to use in case I encounter any problems. That is not faith, that is not God. When you get out there, when God says go, and you just go, and you step out, then God says, now is the blessing. You're gonna have to learn to move without an explanation Because that's where the blessing is. Just because God said go. Just because God said do it. Just because God said it's the will of God. Clap your hands and give God the praise. You can do this. And once you get a taste of that, you will never be the same. So the very first six days, God converted nothing into something. And the seventh day, he was done working, but he already built in to every single layer of this incredible living ecosystem the ability to interact with both higher forms and lower forms to produce other things. The very first conversion that I want to describe is the conversion known as the new birth John chapter 3 verse number 3 Jesus answering to Nicodemus saying truly truly I say unto thee except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of God there are people that think they know that do not know I am not trying to be mean I'm not trying to be ugly but in this day in this hour we, we have to make some distinctions for people so they will, they'll know the right way to go. They'll know that God has more information for them. Just because you've gone to church or been in another denominational church for years and years and years and years does not mean that you have seen the kingdom. If you've not been born again, then you've not been converted. And the new creation already has their eyes open and already has their spirit attuned. And come on, somebody, help me out right now. I have worked with hundreds and hundreds of denominational people over the last 29 years to the point that some people say, I don't believe that. It's not that you don't believe it. You don't understand it. Because anybody that would understand this would say, yep, I understand I was just there myself, but now my eyes are opened, and now I've received the Holy Ghost, and now I've spoken tongues, and now I see the Bible differently, and now I see myself differently, and now I see God differently, and now I see my world differently, and now I understand there's a devil, and now I understand the devil's up in my vineyard, and the devil's at my back door, but guess what? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, and you're not taking me out of this. My soul is too precious. My future is too precious. And so the devil has created thousands of denominations to keep people in a little box. The very first conversion is the conversion to be born again. You know, somebody said this is pride month, which you're all so proud about. I mean, I'm not against anybody. Hello? The gays are saying, I'm born this way. The transgenders are saying, I was born wrong. Come to this church, we're going to tell you, you got to be born again. And when you get born again, you're going to be what God created you to be. You may not be what your mom and dad said. You may not be what the teacher says. You may not be what the White House says. You're going to be what eternity says. That's the greatest conversion of all. Clap your hands, lift your voice. Give God the praise. Somebody ought to shout right now. Somebody give God the praise right now. We're not, somebody says, I don't know, I don't know about that church, you're against everybody. We're not, you you don't understand how it works. You, when you have truth, you have a responsibility to draw some lines. Not so that you can have some aggression or some some uh, bitterness or some anger expressed no 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 no, a thousand times no people are not going to know the difference between right and wrong unless somebody. Draws a line. This is why the Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy that a woman is not to wear a garment that 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 is supposed to be worn by a man because God already understood. If we're going to have the kingdom of God on earth and if this is going to become the kingdom of heaven, we've got to have some gender distinction. I'm not leaving that up to Hollywood. I'm not leaving that up to some professor. I'm not leaving... It's the ways of God. It's not being harsh, it's not being ugly, it's not being bitter, it's not hating people. It's saying, these are God's laws, these are God's ways. If we walk in them, we will all be blessed. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Somebody give him praise. That you understand, your eyes are open to this. It's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. John chapter 3, verse number 5 said this. Jesus answered Nicodemus and said, Truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom. It doesn't matter. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I had, listen, I had very godly, quote unquote, grandparents. They went to church for 60 years. My grandfather was a United Methodist preacher, evangelist. Um, His name was written in the who's who of America before you had to pay to get in there. He was very widely known, widely respected, assistant to the president of the Pacific School of Religion, was an ecumenical seminary in Berkeley, California. My grandparents did not they, if they saw this, they didn't never told me about it, they never understood this. In fact, my grandfather came to me one time and said, I heard you're Pentecostal now because I was raised United Methodist. And I said, Grandpa, I'm no longer drinking, I'm no longer on drugs. I actually got a job, I'm actually got some direction in my life. He didn't care about any of that, he just didn't want me to be Pentecostal. But, honey, there'd been a conversion that took place. Rick Mayo wasn't a drug addict anymore, and Rick Mayo wasn't flicking his cigarettes anymore. And- When you're born again of the water and the spirit, it is the most glorious conversion known to man. To go from the old man to the new man. To go from the law into into great, you you can't even understand that theologically because there's some things that are designed to be understood experientially, not theologically. We want things theologically so we can always analyze them with our brain, but there's some things that are far beyond the brain. It has to be experienced, spirit to spirit. God is a spirit. And when somebody receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they have allowed the Spirit of God to enter into their life and to overflow in their life. Don't try to tell me that speaking in tongues, if not of God, it was given up. It was just for the apostles on the day of Pentecost. They were speaking in tongues 22 years after the day of Pentecost in, in Acts chapter number 19. I saw people speaking in tongues around here last week. Don't tell me it's not real. That is a lie of the devil. You shall not surely die, Eve. You shall not surely die, Adam. You are. A liar, Satan, and the father of it. I've received the Holy Ghost and I'm glad I've got it. It's for every man, it's for every woman, it's for every child. I personally have never seen, ever, one person receive the Holy Ghost that was sorry that they received it. They may go back they may go back to a group that theologically doesn't understand that and then they start working on that person. Man, the first job I had, God literally spoke to me and said, get a job. Man, it got quiet. It got so quiet right now, I could hear a mouse walk over a cotton ball. God had to tell this ex-alcoholic, junkie, wannabe rocker to go out and get a job. Why is a job important? Because you're going to learn so many biblical principles by getting out of bed, being there on time, doing what the boss says to do, getting a paycheck for a hard day's work. That is going to incorporate so much Bible teaching right there. But I had to ride to the job with a guy that was a missionary Baptist pastor. Nothing against missionary Baptist pastors. Nothing. So we got he put it in gear. I'm a brand new convert. I couldn't talk my way out of a wet paper bag right now. But I could out worship any devil within a thousand square miles. Amen. He said, Well, so you're a tongue talker, eh? I said, Yep. I just looked straight ahead. Yep. Making five bucks an hour It's 30 years old, making five bucks an hour. Man, they don't you they don't they pay better than that in third world countries now. <laughs> Minimum wage in Washington's like twenty bucks an hour. At 30 years of age, I made five bucks an hour just moving ladders and moving drop cloths. And I was happy to do it. I was doing what God told me to do. So you're a tongue talker, huh? Yep, yeah. You know that stuff ain't real. I had to listen to that all the way to the job and all the way back to the shop. You know, that's exactly what some of your family members have been trying to tell some of you. You know that speaking in tongues. You know that not believing in the Trinity. Mm, I don't know about that. You know, this this world is trying to make truth a cult. Honey, you can call it any way you want. I've never been more happy. I've never been, I could pass a drug test. I can pass an alcohol test. I'm in my right mind. I've got a beautiful wife. I've got a family. I'm doing the will of God. You couldn't get me to go back for a billion dollars. Somebody clap your hands and lift your voice. If you have not been baptized in Jesus' name, you are missing out on the greatest conversion ever known by a human being. Come on, let's praise him. It's hard. It's not hard. You're just not doing it right. It's not hard to do this. It's only hard if you ain't doing it right. You can't do this in the flesh. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul was describing in Romans chapter 7. When I do good, evil is with me. Oh, wretched man that I am. The things that I don't want to do, the things I do. The things that I should do, the things I don't do. That sound like some of you? Sure sounds like me on a bad day. Does that sound like some of you around here? But there is therefore now no, to them that are in, who walk not after the flesh, but after the, go ahead and give him praise. If you'll do this the right way and play by the rules, it's a breeze. But if your flesh is in control, the Holy Ghost is going to say, no, 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 no. Let me bless you. No, 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 no. Let me do that. No, 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 no. Let me come on somebody. The greatest conversion is when God makes something out of nothing. Here I am. There you are. The problem is, we think we're something and God can't do nothing. But it was the writer of the book of James says that, Know you not that you are nothing? If any man thinks himself something, he is deceived. It's better off just to say, God, I'm nothing and you're the one that's in control and you're the one that heals and you're the one that blesses and you got the answer to this and you got the devil on a leash and you understood this from the beginning and I'm just walking my journey. Not only did God make something out of nothing, but now God's gonna make something out of something. Clap your hands and give God the Praise. Pastor, I ain't seen God make something out of something. Really? We got a pastor in North Spokane. His baby had its, his beautiful baby. How do you pronounce the name of that baby, honey? I I. W- let's get this right, honey. We're on live stream. Okay. Brother Jesse Gamboa married a beautiful um, missionary's daughter from Columbia. Not not South Carolina, uh, or Columbia, Mississippi, but Columbia, the country of Columbia, and their baby had its first birthday yesterday. He's pastoring the church in North Spokane. God first made something out of nothing. Now God is taking people that are working and flowing with God, now making something into something else. Come on, somebody, help me out. you got to understand you're part of something that was from the foundations of the world. And God's doing it right in the face of the devil. God's doing it right under the lies of the devil. God's doing it right under the doctor report of the devil. God's doing it right in the face of every lying spirit that says you'll never do anything. Brother Aaron Mayo, they just had their third. Fourth? Third? Can you erase that from the man? This dude's my nephew. If I get that wrong. Well, when they get cranked up, he feels like he's got a house full of them. That's my nephew. He just sat on a pew over on Broadway, just sitting on a pew. Got baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. See, so you got to get this new birth. God cannot make something out of nothing until you first obey the word of God. It's like using an architect or an engineer's principles that you have to follow the principle to get the de- desired result. And when you obey the word of God by being born again of the water and the spirit in the name of Jesus, not Father, Son, Holy Ghost, that is a religious invention, but in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. Now God can make something out of nothing, and if you'll continue to walk with God and obey and stay under submission and live for God, now God will make something from something else. Clap your hands and give him praise. Well, pastor, you know, I've already got money, and I've got this, and I've got a job, and I don't don't know if I need to do all that. See, that's the problem with Western thinking. We want to use God as a fire escape instead of the fact that it's truth. People in Western culture are not like people coming to God in third world nations in the Southern Hemisphere. Apostolic Pentecostalism is the fastest growing movement in the entire world because it's experiential. Let's lift our hands and just thank God. You're a part of this. I'm a part of this. We're all a part of this. And God wants to make something from something else. It is the art of conversion. And, of course, Peter, who we're going to talk about some more because of our text in Luke chapter number 22, look at Acts chapter 2. Then Peter said unto them, this is on the day of Pentecost. This is the very first day of the church. It's not only the first day of the church. It is now the dispensation of grace. John MacArthur, a very well-known and established denominational teacher and preacher, keeps talking about the thief on the cross. Okay, well, what about the thief on the cross? The thief on the cross was in a totally different dispensation because Jesus was still alive. All he had to do was believe that the blood sacrifice would be enough to atone for his sins like they did in the Old Testament on the Day of Atonement and every day that they came and offered their offerings for their sin. So he was under the dispensation of law. But when Jesus said, it is finished, and the veil was rent in twain that separated the holiest of all from the holy place, it was a brand new dispensation was available Look at Acts chapter 2, verse number 38. Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. If you have not been baptized in Jesus' name, it is not some little emblematic denominational deal. It is the verity and truth and foundation of the word of God. Colossians 3.17 said, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts chapter 4 verse number 12 says neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 3.16 said his name through faith in his name. You have to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And then the first dimension of conversion where God changes nothing into something. let just love him for a minute. I love you, God, I love you, God, I love you God. I praise you, God. I praise you, God, I praise you, God, I praise you God. I praise you, Father. I love you, Jesus. Second conversion, and there's, I don't know if we're gonna get through all these today, probably won't. Unless you just wanna stay a little bit longer. But I'll get tired, so I'll probably quit. I have a wedding to perform at 5 o'clock this afternoon, way up in the boonies, way up in the woods. Brother Tristan and sister Kylia Knudsen are going to get married today. Isn't that awesome? Andrew, are you wearing glasses? Stand up real quick. This hunk of masculinity is now wearing glasses. That looks great. You may be seated. All right. Hallelujah. Since we're talking about something from nothing, I met through an extraordinary turn of events, Brother Mike Whitmire. I met Tristan when he was 11. Then he came back. Did he get baptized when he was 11? I couldn't remember. He was 9? Okay, he told me he was 11, but you're the uncle, so you're right. Okay? But anyway, he went away for a little while, came back when he was 17. He's been here ever since, has faced personal adversity that I couldn't even describe to you and now he is marrying a beautiful young lady I've known her every day of her life I married her parents in this church before we before we'd even been in Spokane 15 months we married his mom and dad and where's his brother where's Elijah he left already Dude, you can't do that to the pastor. I'm going to start calling people out that I don't see just to find out if they've left already. Okay, anyway, listen. His sister is marrying this man. You talk about something from nothing. Some of you, I'm looking across this audience. Where would you be today? Where would I be today? I was stumbled into a little home mission church that had throw down. Russian carpet with folding metal chairs. There was nothing beautiful. None of this beautiful, lovely stuff. But it was the dynamic and the power of the Holy Ghost. And that's when God created something out of nothing. See, God doesn't need a lot. All he needs is a manger. All he needs is, even if it smells bad and it's dirty and it's soiled. Lazarus! The stink ain't gonna stop him. The dirt ain't gonna stop him. God is going to convert Wherever he has the chance, clap your hands and give God the praise. Woo! Second dimension of conversion is converting prophecy into testimony. The book of Revelation has an amazing scripture about prophecy. It's found in Revelations 19, verse number 10. And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See, thou do it not. He's talking about an angel. And the angel is talking to him, saying, See, thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Semicolon. Worship God, semicolon, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, the spirit of prophecy, this word prophecy means a supernatural utterance. It could involve other people. It could con- involve calling. It could involve a multiplicity of various things. It is a supernatural word given to a person regarding the future. This is probably where I need to park after we get into this today. God has to have human agency carry, be a carrier. But you have to make awful sure that you're playing by the right rules. The Bible says, except the man strive lawfully, he is not crowned. God requires that prophecy is carried a particular way. And the fulfillment of that is the testimony that Jesus is still working in the earth. When God gives an individual a word, it orders your steps. It, it modifies your behavior and your deportment and your demeanor. You don't just treat people any way you want to, because you understand. You're facilitating a prophecy. And in order for that prophecy to come to pass, you have to do three things. You have to protect that, which means it modifies your behavior, where you become saying, don't share that with people that don't love you. Hey, guess what God showed me? What? God ain't going to show you nothing. You're a ding dong. What am I talking to you for? You don't believe in me. You don't love me. You don't even love the things of God. I'll go talk to the pastor. Okay, I'm just making light of that, but you understand. Why would you share a promise that God gave to you with somebody that's going to take it and rip it up in little shreds and say, I don't care one thing about what what God's going to do with you? You find somebody else that's got a promise, and they'll say, "I understand the value of that." You keep praying, you stay sweet, you keep living for God, and you watch your children come back. You watch. You know, my man, I feel it in the Holy Ghost right now. You watch that. You watch your husband walk in. You watch your your wife walk in. You watch your backs and children come in. You watch God turn this thing around because He brings something. just i'm not seeing this and i'm not seeing that and i'm not seeing you know what you need you need a word you need a prophecy from god because if you get that prophecy of god it's going to get that bitterness that bitterness will dry up out of your spirit because that bitterness will destroy your promise it will make you ineligible you are not eligible if you're bitter and you have to say, you know, whatever it takes. This is how you get rid of bitterness, okay? This is how you get rid of it. How do I know this? Because maybe I had to fight bitterness. You want a mail order pastor that's never got his shiny shoes muddy? I ain't the guy. In our second, our second building, something happened. And I, I, fought, I fought bitterness. I'm going to tell you how I got it out. And you can tell you're fighting bitterness because you never experience joy. Joy is the opposite of bitterness. Amen. I'm talking about joy where you smile, where you rejoice over somebody else's achievements, somebody else's, you know, there's some people that they're looking at an accomplishment and they just cannot, they just cannot honor just the fact that that's honorable. Because that, that spirit of bitterness all the fruit that they did have is now gnarly and knobby and it's not voluptuous, and full and ready to be partaken by the body or lost in a dying world. Here's how you get rid of bitterness. And I know this because I fought this. You find a place to pray every single day of your life and you do not stop until you've broke through into the joy of the Lord. God will help you get it out. You'll you'll pull it out from the inside out. You'll begin to wash it out with tears. You'll begin to, God will pull that out from the depths of your heart to where you can smile again. You can dance again. You can run again. You can shout again. You can rejoice within the rejoice and weep within the weep. Instead of a hard, crusty, inflexible, unmalleable, We all so happy about? What's this pastor so happy about? How come we got to do this all the time? How come we. When you get that bitterness out, it's like, you know what? I'm ready to praise God. I'm feeling pretty good today and I'm thankful I'm alive. I'm thankful I can take a good deep breath. My, my legs still work. I can lift my hands. Come on, somebody, let's give him praise. I'm not going to let the devil spoil. You say, Well, you don't know what happened to me. It's not what happened to you, it's what you let it do to you. The bigger the bomb that goes off in your life, the deeper the prayer life has to become. Even if it's only for a chapter, you're protecting yourself from the tentacles and the rootage of bitterness. Fornication may have killed its thousands, but in Pentecost, ladies and gentlemen, Bitterness has killed its millions. Let's lift our hands and say, "God, convert this gnarly rooted ground, and let's convert it together." God, let's convert it back into joy. Let's convert it back into happiness. Let's convert it back into living for God and loving God and loving my brother and. Let's praise him. Man, I feel like the Holy Ghost is helping somebody right now. In fact, we're not going to go any further right now because I feel like the Spirit of God is moving right now. God, by the authority of the name of Jesus, I pray that you'll take that fallow ground, that ground that hasn't had a plow in a long time, that it has the seed of a prophecy, but it's not germinated because the ground needs to be broken up. It has the seed of a promise. But it needs fertility. It needs photosynthesis. It needs the moisture. Let's stand to our feet. And let's lift our hands and give him praise. The way that you convert the soil of your heart back into the malleability of potentiality as you find that place of prayer and you say, I'm coming back, 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 I'm coming back till life is joyous again and happy and glorious and fruitful and powerful and wonderful. Let's lift our hands and talk to Jesus right now. The Holy Ghost... Has bidden me to stop. Let's pray. God, I pray for the process. Take me back, Jesus, to the place where I first found you. Take me back to that place of fertility and innocence. Believe in everything that was preached and believe in everything in the Bible. I heard the story many, many years ago of a man that, he was a very wealthy man, he was a CEO that was retiring, and his dream was to be a farmer. First culture of all human civilization was agriculture, which is why it's one of the preeminent cultures described in the Word of God, specifically in the teachings of Jesus. This man retired and bought a sizable piece of acreage in Southern California and spent a small fortune getting the land ready and then he bought oranges. He bought little tiny orange trees. Had them planted. He knew that we're not going to get a yield for, expect a yield for probably about three years. So irrigated and took care of everything, kept the bugs off of them and sprayed them. He said on the third year, the orange trees were already beginning to give, reveal their fruitage. He walked through this orange orchard with great expectation and happiness. He grabbed that first orange. Man, look at that thing peeled it back, and took a bite out of it. <laughs> what? Grabbed another one. <laughs> Grabbed another one. <laughs> no matter where he went through that orchard, every single orange in that orchard was bitter. He couldn't figure it out. He said, man, we this is the best land. We bought the best trees. We've furnished them with the best protective measures, keep the bugs out of here, everything. And finally, he brought in a professor from UCLA. And that professor got out of his car and put his hands behind his back and started walking around the perimeter. And the man's like, hey, where are you going? He said, didn't utter a word. Just kept walking. Walked all the way around to the furthest point of the back side of that orange grove and stopped. He said, "That's your problem." What? He said, "Do you see that tree out there?" Yeah. What about it? He said, "That's a blackjack tree." He said, "A blackjack tree." will seek out other healthy trees and then begin to wrap its root around a healthy tree and it begins to secrete tannic acid from its root into the new root until every single other tree is affected by its presence. If you're hanging around with people that have exposed you to bitterness. Maybe, maybe it wasn't even here. Maybe it was in your past, and now you're a carrier of that. You cannot afford to let the voluptuous fruit that comes with innocently following, and obeying, and believing to become. Let's lift our hands. I think the Holy Ghost is talking to some folks here today and God's gonna help you convert your soil back to the original because he planted you, he plants everybody in a vineyard for the potentiality of every life. And when you begin to bear a little bit of fruit, he purges it that you bear even more fruit. You know what, this altar's open. Just come and pray. Let's all find a place to pray today. No. If you're here today and you need to be baptized in Jesus' name, we're ready to do it. If you're here today and you want the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that will happen too. But if you need need to convert the soil of your heart back to when you first found him, when you first heard, when you first received, when you first believed, The art of conversion. Pastor, every day is horrible and ugly and dark. No, it's not. That's your interpretation of it. There's still a God behind those clouds. There's still a promise behind that. There's still a future that's glorious and wonderful. Come on, somebody, let's pray. Holy Ghost has ministered in this house today. I feel it in my spirit.